we'll toss that rusty old grill into the lake and set the bark lounger on fire. This is the Tadward Spiral. Do you know the voice? <sighs> that's yes. Pete, that's Pete the Cat from Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. There you oh, go. Oh, God. My, oh, oh, yeah. My, my daughter keeps asking me to do the voice, so uh, <laughs> I keep calling her Lily the Bee because he calls Mickey Mouse Mickey the Mouse. And <laughs> that's just been my voice all day. Welcome to the Dad Word Spiral. Uh, this is not Pete the Cat. This is uh, my name is Aaron Pruner. And uh, joining me in an Old Spice shirt is uh, Eddie Doty. It is not an Old Spice shirt entirely. You see, it's a uh, it is the Old Spice must flow. It's a Oh, dune it's shirt. a dune shirt. Yeah, that's a worm, not not a lighthouse. So I yeah. See. Yeah. Well, it's a, okay. it's, a, it's ironic, you see. It's an it's it's a nerd shirt, but also it's a reference to a sampled uh, a, a sample of Dune that was used in a techno song called Spice by Eon that used yeah. to be played at Perversion and other goth industrial slash techno clubs I, in the late 90s and early 2000s. I remember that song, I remember going to Perversion and Clockwork Orange and uh, Asylum and uh, Oh God, Asylum! <laughs> I, yeah, Asylum was the first one I went to. So there is a really great article. I think it's on LA Taco. It's but there's a really yes. great article. You know which one I'm talking about? Yes, it's, it's written by Liz. Okay, uh, yeah. So it's 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 this article about like the 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 Sunset Strip goth industrial club scene of the late 90s early 2000s yep. uh, of which Club Ruby was kind of the epicenter and uh, that was definitely you know for a lot of for a lot of native angelinos that was definitely the the place where we went to that, uh, to explore new music yeah that is where i lived for over a decade and by lived i mean i was there 5 nights a week uh for 10 years i found my self esteem there yeah and my circle of friends yeah. And learned how to dance. But anyway, this show is not about goth music. Could be. Not we, yet. We Give go, us time. Welcome to the episode of Goth Dads. Um, <laughs> goth Dads. <laughs> you That's like a bad me. Tim and Eric sketch. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Aaron Flux. I'm on uh, Instagram and Facebook at Aaron W. Pruner. And um, we're going to be talking about some stuff that I want your feedback. If uh, there's anyone listening who wants to go and either reply to Dadward Spiral or Aaron Flux on Twitter or even our Dadward Spiral Facebook page. Because we're going to be talking yeah. about holiday traditions and I want to get what what you do and what you grew up doing because I want to know. Eddie doesn't yeah. give I want to know. Yeah, I don't want to know. Eddie I'm, could I'm, care I'm, less. I could give a shit. No, I do want to. Actually, I'm, I am legitimately, and I think we're going to talk about it today. I think like, just the idea of, especially when you're a parent and you're, um, you, you have a partner, um, it, you know, you, it's the merging of traditions, forging new ones. That's I think tricky waters for everybody to navigate and who, you know, which families you adopt and how do you adjust and how do you make it your own? I think these, I think these are things that it doesn't get talked about. I think the, the go-to joke is like, well, I'm a dad. And so for the holidays, I'm going to drink scotch. Because in-laws no. are stressful. And it's will, just like... I, I, I will let you know right now, I just made myself a lovely steamed almond milk and maple pumpkin bourbon steamer. I mean, that just sounds awesome. I've never that had one great. and it doesn't taste bad. Uh, before we even get into that, where can people find you online, Eddie? 
Oh God, great question. Uh, you can find me at Twitter at Kirby.matrix at Twitter. Uh, and if you follow me on Twitch, uh, you can find me at twitch.tv slash zero dork 30. Uh, I don't stream anymore. Apparently I just, I, you know, it's kind of like how the, the, the shoemakers kids don't have shoes. Like it's just, I don't, I don't stream for myself much <laughs> these days. I just sort of, you know, my wife has a, a her, her massage therapy license no one in my house gets back rubs. She doesn't want to do that shit when she's <laughs> home. Um, so yeah, it's it's much the same way. But one of these days I'll stream again, and when I do, you can find me at twitch.tv slash zero dork thirty. Well, I feel like this episode's going to be a stream of sorts of thoughts. Great. Yeah, lots of thoughts. It's our end of the year episode. Um, we're not, you know, this is going to be it for our our inaugural, <laughs> our our massive launch year that we did, you know, six weeks ago. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, know. but but look, look, I I before I even forget, first off, I created a Substack for the show, yes, please. inspired by the con- uh, the conversation ep- slash episode we had with Drew McQueenie. So if y'all are interested in reading any any uh, supplemental content that I write that is inspired by the show or my you know my experience being a dad or, Hey, you know, Eddie, if you have the time or energy to ever sure. do anything like that, uh, go to deadwordspiral.com. I redirected deadwordspiral.substack.com to my URL for this show. Um, I wrote a thing about Thanksgiving and I'm probably going to be writing a thing about Hanukkah. And this idea of holiday traditions is at the front of my mind for more than one reason. Um, yeah. I'm going to be writing an article for the Jewish Times. <laughs> hey, there you go. Which I've never done, but they put out a a, a pitch for for um, Jewish people's awkward relationship with Christmas. And I was like, oh, where do I start? And I've uh, been thinking a lot about traditions. And today, the day we're recording this, um, which is Friday, y'all are going to probably, if you listen to this the day it goes live, it's going to go live on the first night of Hanukkah, which is December 10th, which is Thursday of the upcoming week. Um, we got a Christmas tree today, which is still weird. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's this is my I think this is my sixth year, seventh year getting a Christmas tree. Sure. And it still feels foreign and it still feels like I'm breaking the law. Like. <laughs> I, I, I'm not you feel even, like the Jew police are going to like, just come get you. And I like, I feel like my grandmother is going to crawl out of her grave and berate me with, with, with decades old guilt, just, just <laughs> built up guilt and, and shaming because we have a Christmas tree in our household. And gotcha. I'll get into that more later. But one of the cool things was, so uh, for those of you not in L.A. or California, we have a new safer at home order that's going into effect. And uh, it's really well communicated and it's crystal clear and everyone understands it exactly the way it's meant to be. No misunderstandings at all. Nope, none of that. I haven't gotten into multiple debates about the validity of mask use on oh, social media over the God, past week. Don't with, even don't even get me people. started, dude. Uh, <laughs> um. Uh, look, all I'm going to say is this. And if you're listening and this upsets you, I, I guess I'm sorry. I'm not. What, what I understand if you're going to have the word uh, words on your profile of trust God, uh, Christian, American loving Christian believer in Jesus. My understanding of Christianity at its very base level is that love thy neighbor, treat everyone with love and respect as you would want to be treated 
um, that sort of, I don't know, logic of going through each day. That's what I try to do at the best of my abilities. I slip sometimes. And so the idea of I'm not going to wear a mask because you're a sheep really doesn't go in line with the whole, well, maybe it's useless to you, but who knows? You could be saving a life of somebody else that you come in contact with. But anyways, whatever. Um, I totally lost my train of thought. Oh, we're we're in a safe at home order again. And today we went and got a Christmas tree and we went to the normal uh, normal Christmas tree lot we go to. I can't even believe I just used that term. The normal Christmas tree lot I go to. Uh, yeah, you know, my, my neighborhood one, my usual. Shout out to Tina's Trees. This is your uh, friendly Jewish spy. Um, we went today and there was a group of helpful Honda people. That are helpful. Outside giving everyone $60 off vouchers for a Christmas tree. Okay. So we got like a really nice Douglas fir for 40 bucks. Hey, man. <laughs> and, and I'm like, look, I'm not a Christian. I am definitely Jewish, but I will always respect a deal. And I was really happy at that deal. That's a good deal. That's Thank a really you. good deal. No, it, it's a good like deal. Zoning out. No, no, I was thinking I was thinking about the right response for that, because like. I think it's, you know, it's we it's a good way to kick off the conversation of what is uh what are the traditions for the holidays that are central central to our culture or to our heritage or to our faith and then what are the her- or what are the traditions that like the, 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 the living in a society foist upon you and to what degree do we feel like we have connection and ownership to them right like a good example for this is Thanksgiving and I'm going to backpedal to Thanksgiving for just a bit. That's fine. Uh, yeah. So like I, it, it is, it does not take a brain genius to, you know, to, uh, <laughs> a to, brain genius. <laughs> it does not take a brain genius to recognize that the American Thanksgiving story is incredibly problematic in its real history is not really something worth celebrating if we take the actual events of the day and the history around it at face value. We have created a myth around it of this wonderful, lovely dinner. And in reality, they didn't even have turkey. They ate mostly mussels and like cockles and like and shellfish and some corn. And it was just like whatever was available. Turkeys were not ubiquitous during that time in 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 where they were. Um, and so it's like there's not it, the actual day is not really worth celebrating. But we made a thing out of it to celebrate. But that thing, that idea of sharing your bounty coming together as a community family, <laughs> having like no bounds. Muscles that is some cockles. <laughs> you are 14. Um, <laughs> yes. Cockles is a, is a, I know is a what reward. it is. I yeah. know. Um, so, but like, but the, the myth, right. The, the story of the myth is one worth retelling and is one worth saying. I now this is to say nothing of how awful, all the memories it summons for first nation folks of like the actual history. Right. So like if we can, what can we do on that day to make the myth worthy of celebration? Cause it ain't going to be the real history that we're celebrating. We're celebrating the myth, right? Like, and for me, I have a weird connection. I'm named after 
my ancestor who came on the Mayflower. That dude was the Edward Doty that I'm named after that I'm a direct descendant of. It is so white. <laughs> dude, tell me about it, man. It's like, it's, I'm, uh, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm laughing. I, that, that's, well, yeah, that's I mean, I am, that's, it is, it is the, it is the, uh, it, like, if you're going to have like a famous ancestor, I could not think of a whiter instance than like a dude who came over on the Mayflower. <laughs> right. And historically he sucked. He was a jerk. Like, but I have this weird connection to Thanksgiving and I made a decision a long time ago that like, if I'm going to be hosting Thanksgiving, I'm going to, if I have to do this, if it's expected of me, because after my dad died, my mom didn't want to host. And like, I, we floated around a couple in-laws for a little while. And I'm like, look, no, I want a good Thanksgiving. I want a good day with my family and my friends. And if I'm going to have to participate in this thing, I'm going to lean all the way the fuck in. I'm going to go all out. I'm going to open my house to as many people as possible. And I'm going to just get everyone I love together to eat some good food. And I'm going to learn how to make a bird. I'm going to learn all these like things. And for my wife, it was very essential for her because she's from the East Coast. She's from Buffalo. She doesn't get to be with her family she grew up with. So we both just attacked that day of like, we're going to make something out of this day. Even though the original day is bullshit, frankly, like, you know, we decided to make a tradition out of it. We decided to make it something. And now it's kind of legendary amongst like our family and friends, my brother, his kids, my friends. Uh, you I, you may know Raul and Nina, who are, are the, the Lopez's, who, uh, you know, they're, 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 they're mutual friends. But the, them and their kids come over and their kids are adults now. And it's like it's it's just crazy. But it's um it's something we made. So for us, for Christmas, it's a similar thing. We have all these traditions that are more about just an excuse to spend time together in a, in a slightly different way. And so I'm, I'm always curious to hear people's experiences with, okay, this part of the holiday actually means something to me that is real, either on a faith-based level or on a uh, custom or cultural level versus the people who are like, I got to do this thing. And so I've made something out of it. Right. Um, and that's, that's why I'm, that's why I'm so curious to talk about this as a subject today. Cause I'm curious how that impacts how we raise our kids and, and how we make it part of like our, our right. family schema. Anyway, I rambled, but like, no, that's, no, it's, it's, you know, thinking. it's fine. It's been stuff I've been thinking a lot about. And it's the reason why I was super excited to do Thanksgiving dinner this year. Cause it's been a day. It's been one week. No, it's been <sighs> oh, uh, almost, <laughs> I've had a little bourbon. It's been uh, about a decade <laughs> since I made a Turkey and I learned how to brine a Turkey from that amazing Alton Brown um, good eats video that still holds up all these years later. And I've learned how to cook. And I wrote a big thing about Thanksgiving on the Substack yeah. I talked about earlier, but it never used to mean much to me because of the accident that happened in my family before I was born, it fractured my family. And I grew up uh, not knowing my dad's side, but also there was drama between certain people within my family. So I would only see the quote unquote cool Jews around Hanukkah, possibly sometimes at Passover and Thanksgiving. And it would be those times where I would actually experience sitting around a table with a family in that sort of environment and eat dinner and have that right. relation and that feeling of just belonging and, and a home cooked meal. Because aside from that, my mom worked five days a week. Yeah. She was a single mom. 
It was the 80s. I was always the last kid picked up from school. So I had this complex that she was going to forget about me. And when we got home, dinner was a TV dinner or fast food or, you know, I was very much into canned green beans and beets and didn't even know how to cook real green beans until my early 20s. Because, no, I mean, I didn't honestly, let's talk about this right now. My mom is handicapped. She has a disability in her hands called Ehlers-Danlos that is not treatable. For almost three decades, she was misdiagnosed with having rheumatoid arthritis. So they did not treat it properly. And it has gotten worse over the years um, to the point where now she can't work technically, although she volunteers for the Red Cross. Um, So she's on disability. But I bring that up because she could not cook much home cooked food because she couldn't handle jars or bottles or open things or cut things. So a lot of like the home cooked stuff that she was able to make were like meatballs because it was using your hands or matzo ball soup, which I made earlier this week. Um, And I talk about that because I didn't know how to properly hold a fork, knife or spoon until I was 16 years old. Because no one told me I was holding it wrong because I was holding them the way my mom did at dinner. And because she can't really grip things, she held them like a Neanderthal. And so it wasn't until my best friend, Calvin, who is still my best friend, who maybe I'll talk about at some point on this show, because his stepfather ended up being a surrogate dad to me for a long Mm -hmm. time. He died of cancer and uh, drug addiction stuff that happened over a decade ago. But um it's weird thinking about these uh, home cooked meal scenarios and just the etiquette manners, the way you interact with people, how you teach your kids things. Because I, my mom never taught me the right way to hold a fork, knife or spoon. She never taught me the, the etiquette like that. And I think it was partially because or a good part because of her handicap that she didn't really understand she had up until yeah. the, she was officially diagnosed 15 years ago. And uh, has been managing it since. And it's a, it's not as bad as some people. Some people's Ehlers downloads is so bad that they are mentally handicapped along with physically. It, it's a variety. So really quickly, just for the, for the listeners at home, Ehlers downloads syndrome has a variety of presentations and comorbidities. Um, one of my dearest friends, uh, Sam Delev, they have ED, uh, EDS and they are wheelchair bound because yeah, of it. Exactly. Because, right. Yeah, they did. Because if they were to stand up and hyperextend their knees or hips, they would dislocate. Look what um, I can do with my hands. I can do, do you, that. Do you have, do you have EDS? Uh, possibly. Got it. <laughs> I haven't yeah. been tested, but I need to because my Definitely daughter could have to. it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, hey, like we talked a little bit last week. I mean, um, they're still figuring out what Agent Orange exposure to vets do to the kids. And I'm the only son my dad had after his exposure. And, you know, I had cancer when I was five. That's not normal. Exactly. Skin cancer at five specifically is not normal. I still get checked out because I don't know what I'm passing down to them. Yeah. Yeah. I have not gotten a genie. What is it called? A genealogy test or a, 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 I don't remember the specific name of it, but I haven't been tested. I could, I get similar pains my mom gets in yeah. uh, my wrists and my feet, but I yeah. also have arthritis in my feet. I am a 44 year old man. And 10 years ago, I had a bunionectomy where they took a portion of my toe off. Uh, Jesus. Uh, okay. Yeah. You All know, right. genetics. Um, genetics are fun. But I bring this up because 
growing up, I had a very different relationship with food and eating and family, especially around the holidays that a lot of my friends did. And um, when I did have those moments, like the Thanksgiving stuff I'm talking about where I'd see my cousins, it would be like, wow, that's, this is what it's like when I watch sitcoms. This is what a real family is supposed to look like. And right, then, but that's yeah. And then I would end up going back to an, the the life I knew was normal, which was sitting in front of the TV, in front of a TV tray, eating, you know, a hungry man dinner or whatever. And while my mom ate over the kitchen sink because she was a single mom, just finished a long day at work. My grandmother was disabled from the accident, so she had to deal with that and also look after me. And um, you know, I, I can go into that uh, all, all years of trauma and grief and overstress led to my mom having uh, a hiatal hernia, which led to stressful um, conditions like acid reflux, which rotted all her teeth, which led her to a point where she had to have all her teeth removed, which really affected her self-esteem. Yeah. Uh, But we got her dentures and I'll tell you, man, seeing her comfortable enough to smile for the first time in like 20 years was heartbreaking, but also not in a bad way, the confidence and all that. I'm getting off topic here, but Thanksgiving was always that time of year where it just felt like I got to hang out with, with a family that didn't always seem like it was mine, but that they were letting us in for like a night, right? you know? Um, And so this, whenever Thanksgiving was not last, a couple weeks ago, it was like, whoa, I can actually provide this type of experience now. For my wife and my mom, especially, yeah, and my daughter, and my mom was like, "I'm so proud of you," because she never taught me how to cook. I I learned it all on my own uh, yeah. by just watching TV shows and experimenting in the kitchen. And that's one thing my mom has never been comfortable with. Her mindset is, "I don't know how to do it, so I don't want to mess up, so I'm not going to do it." Right. Where I'm of the mindset of I'm only going to figure it out if I mess up. Yeah. You, you only, you only, you only, I mean, look, the first couple turkeys I cooked, they came out okay, but they weren't yeah. great. But like I got over the years uh, and then doing two turkeys because we had more and more people came. And then the last two years, I had three turkeys. Oh my uh, God. For the sheer Dude. number of people. Well, honestly, we could have fed fed everybody with two turkeys, but we wanted leftovers. And no, like, no, we, hey, I'm not, I'm not know. judging. I'm so. not judging. I, I'm kind of uh, sad I didn't get a bigger turkey. I said during our episode that it was a five or six pounder. They don't no, sell five say. or six pound. No, they turkeys. don't. That's a I quail. Got an, yeah, I got an eight pound turkey, which was still small. Small, but, but yeah, it it's was a enough for everyone who was here. Um, I got, I got a seventeen pounder. Oh, um, I, the biggest I've cooked is 23 pounds. I, I cooked a 23 pound turkey once. Um, but yeah, 17 pounds is good. Cause then it's like non hormonal. It's like, it's like just a, a good size turkey. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I, when I did three, I would cook them three different ways. Um, just to, for the fuck of it, just for, you know, just to have fun. And like, and that's, that's kind of what it's about. I, to your point, there's no better feeling than when you feel like you've inherited that crown of, Especially if you have like a big extended family of like, or I if don't, you're, but yeah, but but, you're, if, but even so, like, and it was important for us, for Rachel, for my wife and I to invite friends and orphans. Yeah. We live in Los Angeles. There's a lot of people without their family here, you know, and so it was important for us to provide a space where they could be family for a day. I and, am so hoping we can get Mike Flanagan on the show 
The reason yeah. I'm saying this, and this has to do with what you just said, and I'm sorry for interrupting you. Oh, you're fine. Um, he has expressed interest. It's just uh, his schedule. He's currently wrapping up shooting uh, Midnight Mass in Canada. But the reason I say this, especially uh, about Friendsgiving, as a lot of people call it. Yeah. Uh, there is uh, that show Haunting of Bly Manor. That yes. Was the sequel series to Haunting of Hill House. Hill House. Yeah. And there was a big theme throughout the whole season that I, I I really loved, which was the idea of chosen family over the family you're born into. And there's a lot of people yes. that I know in L.A. who either moved out here or have sort of estranged relations with their family and have created their own group that they are not related to, but consider, you know, an extended family in the sense of friends that you would, you know, not necessarily die for, but, but have that similar sort of uh, camaraderie and closeness with. And yeah. that's something that's featured throughout the entire show. If you are familiar with the shows, Hill House is about an actual blood family and a trauma that breaks them apart and them trying to mend their relations and what this trauma led to and, and get closure. Bly Manor is about a bunch of, misfits who have run from their families pretty much and come together because of a trauma. And so it's kind of the exact opposite thematically. And I'm so enthralled by that, given that, you know, I, I have family out here in LA, but like I said, because of the accident, most of my life growing up, it was just myself, my mother and my grandmother. And sometimes the cool Jews in my family who I got to see, uh, in this past Thanksgiving, we did a Zoom Thanksgiving and I got to see them. And what's crazy is I'm the only one that actually made a turkey out of all of them. And they were the ones yeah. who used to always do it. And I'm like, they thought I, they were so surprised and impressed that I did a whole turkey by myself. And they're like, whoa, yeah, thank you. Millie, Millie's very happy for you. Um, she just, by the way, absolutely nothing happened to motivate the uh, uh the enthusiasm that's by the way before i forget rolls. i bought the organic turkey that i made for thanksgiving from there whole foods there and you go the whole foods down the street from me where a employee by the name of brandon works and i'm <laughs> shout out to brandon. shouting out brandon uh who's a new dad and uh he came up to me last time i was at whole foods and was raving about the show he said, this is the this is the dad podcast that he was looking for, that he couldn't find a show like this. And it feels like we're talking about what he's going through and he's struggling with. And he's just happy to know he's not alone. And it feels like a support group. So he thanked us. And I'm thanking you, Brandon. I'm sure I'm going to see you tomorrow when I take my daughter in. But um, I, I tell Kelly, it's like cheers. Everyone at that Whole Foods who works there knows me at this point. But, uh, <laughs> Brandon, it meant a lot to me that you said that, and I'm glad you're listening. Yeah, I've, it's, it, you know, I think we can talk about feedback a little bit later because I'm, I'm, I'm hearing it too. I'm hearing like, even before we started this, I remember there was a, a, a moment at, uh, it was about two, two, three months ago. Um, you and I were still talking about this and kind of putting the wheels in motion. I was at the park and, um, with my daughter. And I saw. <laughs> Thank you for adding that detail. You're like you just at the park by yourself. No, no, like like oh, which boy, kid? Hello which, there, which, kids. which 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 kid or combination of kid was I with? Um, and I saw a gentleman there with his son, and we just started striking up small talk. 
And I'm like, do you have the one? He's like, I got another one on the way. It's, you know, my second. And uh, I was like, oh yeah, well, you know, that's fun. It's, it's interesting. And the thing I said to him was, um, all right, we were just talking a little bit about that. Then I was getting ready to leave. And as I was leaving, he came up to me. He's like, Hey, can I, do you mind if I ask you something? I'm like, sure. He's like, what's like the biggest difference between one and two? Like, he's like, cause I don't, I don't want my son now to, I don't want anything to be taken away from him uh, with the addition of my second child. And like, and these are questions that dads have. And like, for whatever reason, there's no, there's not a lot of avenues for us to ask these questions. He and I got into a long conversation. I told him about how like it's, it's manageable, you know, it's nothing will surprise you. It's just that their needs will usually just be opposite at any given moment. Right. And I, and, and he and I talked a little bit more about how they take care of each other and how they look after each other and how they keep each other entertained and how they learn from each other. And so like, even if your attention isn't a hundred percent on them, like it used to be, that's okay because they, they can have that dynamic with one another. And it just dawned, it kind of like, it was as you and I were talking about this and just realized like, it's crazy how much men just need it talk about the ins and outs the practicality of it and we do that but we really only do that when we're like perfect example when you and i were at comic-con last year and we went at we're at that national geographic party and we're stand we're having drinks standing at a table at this weird party celebrating i don't know brain games or whatever that's exactly <laughs> what they or, or, or yeah. it was on and gordon ramsay's uncharted or whatever Oh god what and, a shitty show i'm sorry yeah. it's not anthony <laughs> it's, it's i could go off about that anyways go on we yeah but like we were sorry i'm pulling on my laptop um we we're we we're talking about and like you and i were talking about being dads but we we're talking about being dads in like this big group thing outdoors at an industry party and like you're if i remember cast, correctly i was uh I was eating a hot dog with champagne. <laughs> yeah, it was a weird ass menu. Our mutual friend TJ Storm, who your former cast member, uh, from or your former castmate from uh, VR Troopers, was there, and we we're talking. And like, I don't think a lot of people listening to this knows about my past. So. Yeah, well, listen, you got an IMDb, man. That's, that's yeah. I'm not so. even gonna go into it. You look, look me up. Yeah, but like, but we're, but again, the only time you and I could talk about dadding. Was, was that an industry party? That's an industry party. And like, yeah. there's, it's just, there's that really good New York Times article just came out. I think it was New York Times about how men used to have all these like friendship connections that were like sports or uh, grabbing a drink. And COVID has destroyed that. And like, it's destroyed men's ability to have like friendships with one another. And like, men are finding ways to, fill that gap in, in new and, and exciting ways. And like, and because we have to, because like, for whatever reason we put it upon ourselves or society puts it upon us, the, the, the sort of, you know, the patriarchy massage, you know, however you want to fr- like code it, it puts it upon us that we can't just like call each other up and be like, yo, I'm hurting. I need help. No. And I think like, so I think all that is to say, is right. Connect it back to, you know, to back to the, like the original statement is that like, I think we, you know, certainly with Thanksgiving to a lesser extent, the holidays, we need to find ways to just like, cause dudes will call each other on Christmas. Like, Hey, Merry Christmas, man, or happy Hanukkah, man, or like whatever holiday, like wishing you and yours the best. But like, we need to go the extra mile and be like, how are you doing? Yeah. Are you okay? Right. I'm not, but like, I can talk about you, you know, like it's like, how the fuck do I raise two kids? How the, you know, how, like, am I completely screwing up or only partially? So I, I hope that 
these traditions as we inherit them. I, I hope that we find ways for dudes to just talk to each other better. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm definitely going on a tangent. Y- you are, but you're making a point. And, you know, uh, I like, so I've said this before. I was writing about parenting for a little bit at the Washington Post. And one of the reasons why they wanted me there was because they had, they had hardly any male writers that covered parenting yeah. content. Yeah. And you find that uh, I, 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 all the time I look on Twitter and social media for calls for pitches because that is how I get work. And even with parenting stuff on there, it's always for mommy blogs uh, or, you know, looking for the mommy experience where, yeah, I'm not at all diminishing that women need the support and encouragement and and love for everything that they go through with childbirth and child rearing because we still live in a society that doesn't expect the men to do anything to help aside from bring home the bacon. And yeah. I can confirm that by a job I had. I think I might have talked about this on the show, a job that I took when it was like a month before my daughter was born, I was needing work, which is a constant situation for me now. And it seems for the past four years, interesting Trump becomes president and I become unemployed constantly. But anyways, see, I drink and I'm going on tangents, but my point, it's your show, baby. We can go on tangents. No, I know. I know. Uh, The point I'm trying to make is I was working at a job. I'm not going to say the company, but, I saw how the woman, there was a woman who was on maternity leave and I saw how she was treated for the possible uh, mistakes or oversight she made as a new mom back at work, being exhausted, sleepless. I understand all of what we go through as new parents. I got written up for basically the same thing and said, if it happened again, I was going to be let go. And it was almost as if they were treating me, a stay-at-home dad who was working remotely for the most part, right. as suddenly like I wasn't pulling the weight that they expected me to pull because I'm a man. And it was, it was weird because I al- I already know in our country there is a gender pay gap. There is yep. gender discrimination in the workplace Absolutely. that men get the benefit of the doubt more than women. So being put in that position was so eye-opening and strange for me in that I'm a stay-at-home dad. My wife doesn't do all the parenting work that I had said all of that at the beginning of this uh, uh, employment before I even got hired when I had the job interview. And still, like one day in particular, they came to me asking me to cover a shift with one hour's notice on one of the days I told them I was unavailable because I was with my daughter and I got written up for it. And it's like, what? And seeing how men uh, get those expectations behind them and also how society may view stay at home dads who also work a corporate job. It's very interesting, that dynamic. I don't know if interesting is the right right word. It was infuriating when it happened to me at the time it happened to me, and I no longer work there. But the way that parents and parenting and child rearing is viewed in this country, along with uh, gender dynamics, is 
I feel like there's progress there, but it's also antiquated and there is a lack of certain perspective and voices that I'm hoping we're bringing with this, you know, and I've gotten that sort of feedback from people who I know. And so if this show gives you some sort of, I don't know, uh, catharsis or place to make you feel like you're not alone, I'm, I'm happy to hear that. And that's basically the point. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's one of those things where, and again, I think the holidays remind us of all this, right? Because like the holidays are, again, what is the expectation of the, of the cisgendered man parent? (laughs) You know, what is the expectation of, of of a straight cis man on Christmas? Well, the expectation is you do the hard work of putting up the tree, you go, you buy the presents, um, and, and, you know, we watch a lot of holiday movies. My wife is obsessed with Christmas, uh, because I got she's that from Buff- off of her social media posts. Well, I mean, but again, like, and this is, a, this is where going back to where like Christmas is a cultural thing. My wife is from Buffalo. She's from the outskirts of Buffalo. She's like from like the Lancaster district and like her parents to this day go out and chop down their own tree and oh, it's wow. gigantic. Gigantic, and they have this part of the house with a vaulted ceiling where this massive living tree goes into, and it is—it's like a department store, man. It's—it is the. I didn't most, know people actually did that. I just oh, thought that was something done in movies. Oh no, it's a. Th- I've gone with them a few years. Like one, <laughs> one time when when Riker, my youngest son, was was small. Um, we actually put him in the car seat, bundled him up in the winter car seat, which is like this big insulated pocket, threw a blanket over it, strapped him into a sled and like <laughs> took him straight. There's pictures and video. It's amazing. And we, and there's like 10 of us. We're all there. He was well taken care of. He wasn't going anywhere. He slept the most peaceful sleep he's ever had to, <laughs> in his life, just all bundled and like in this little sled. And uh, yeah, we went out and they, uh, you picked we the tree. did the Clark W. Griswold. Well, they give you a chainsaw. It's not like you're in the oh. outskirts. So you're, it's, it's not like you're in like Alaska or anything. You're, it's a lot. There are people you pay. Sure, like, this is all thing. foreign to me and I can't even fucking imagine yeah. just going, someone handing you a chainsaw and be like, now go chop a tree down. And then when you do, there's somebody, there's a dude on a snowmobile and a, and a sled that will like strap the tree to there. And like, they bind it for you. And it's a whole thing. Uh, I Look, look, I thought it was, I thought it was such a um, barbaric process to go to a lot, point at a tree, say, put that on my car and tie it to the roof of my car. And I'm just going to drive down the street with a tree on top of my car. I thought that was insane and barbaric. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, but I mean, it was actually, it's peaceful and calm, but all that is to say that like my (laughs) wife, my wife had these really fantastical storybook Christmases as a kid. And like, it wasn't even, it's not like her parents were rich or anything. They were just middle-class family, like just providing a great experience. And like, that's why and I'm going to, I, I dare venture into some drama here, but like, you know, um, when my wife and I got engaged, the question became like, where are we going to spend the holidays? Cause you know, we can't just, when we were dating, I'd say here, she'd go back home, but it's like, okay. So like the first year we're engaged, I went out there and initially it was like, do we alternate? And we thought about alternating and like, we kind of did. And then, um, when Rachel was pregnant with our first son, uh, he was born in January. So she couldn't fly in December. So she was like eight months pregnant during Christmas and, um, you know, it's like, okay, well the next year we'll go with our son and we did. And what's, we were there with our kid, even at one year old, my son, it's just like, 
I, we wanted like I love I'm an Angelino. I I love my hometown, my home state. But if I have the option of giving my kids this amazing winter wonderland, my my in laws have this. They have a good sized plot of land with a hill that had that when it snows and it snows a lot. They have sleds that they can go down. It's like everything I wanted as a kid. And we ha- we made the decision pretty early on, like we're not going to alternate Christmases. We're gonna we're we're here. We're gonna go here every year for the holidays because oh. you know. And and believe me, it caused all sorts of drama on my side of the family. But like, it's like, hey, I gotta do what's right for my kids, and this yeah. is undeniably what's right for my kids. Um, that's that's uh, that sounds like something that doesn't even truly exist in my brain. Like this is all. Right. I I never had that. I never had that growing up. So, yeah, no, I know. But I think about. So I wasn't allowed to celebrate Christmas growing up and my so I grew up in my grandmother's. Well, my grandmother's apartment for a bit and then it was in, you know, the apartment I lived in with my mom, but it was. Like you would be dealing with the wrath of Jehovah or Jesus yeah. or who, whatever holy uh, figure you want to put in place of whatever word I just used. Sure. If I even decided to put a Hanukkah bush in the house, like I really, I coveted a Christmas tree so much because I was so jealous of all of my friends and uh, the idea of having a tree and putting all the colorful stuff on the tree and the lights and the colorful, uh, you know, the music was great. The food is amazing. The desserts, the candy canes, uh, all of that. What do we get for Hanukkah? We get a glorified candelabra. We get (laughs) we get wooden top that we can spin uh, we're celebrating basically an oil that burned for eight nights. Y'all are celebrating Jesus, the king of the world, you know? And yeah. it's like, it's like you go to a mall and then you start seeing as a kid, my experience in the eighties was when I would bring Jewish food to school, I got bullied and made fun of because my grandmother's kugel looked like boogers. And <laughs> I became very self-conscious with being Jewish yeah. as a kid. Because you'd go to malls, you'd go to stores, you, even at school. I played Scrooge three different times at three different schools Ugh. in the school play because Ugh. I was the token Jew. Oh that, so I was God. automatically this grumpy kid Ugh. who didn't appreciate Christmas. And I sort of leaned into that humor a bit, and, but it still was like, the, I, I'm not necessarily saying it's society's fault. I'm not going to, you know, harp on my grandmother for being very strict and true to uh, certain cultural and religious um, traditions. But growing up, man, and I think John Stewart did such a great job of, of depicting this when Passover happens uh, on The Daily Show a while back. He compared Passover to Easter, and it's the same idea. Commercially speaking and societally speaking, we have created this big space spectacle of a holiday for Christmas and this big spectacle of a holiday, even for Easter. And when I was a kid, when Hanukkah would come around, I remember going with my mom to stores and having more than half of the employees we'd run into and ask for help, not even knowing what the word Hanukkah meant, not knowing what Hanukkah wrapping paper is, 
yeah. and not understanding. And there was the longest time where there would be no representation of Hanukkah in Target, in Macy's. I remember having a fit, man. I was at the Macy's Superstore in San Francisco with Sarah, who you know, my ex-girlfriend. Uh, oh, yeah. And that store was three floors of Christmas trees. Like it yes. was like Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. The only Hanukkah stuff they had was the very, 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 very back wall next to the bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, 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 you know, subtle stuff like that, that makes you feel like, Oh, I cause I guess that's where I belong. So growing up, I always wanted what my friends had and they would always be like, well, you get eight nights of presents. And my thing is, okay, Adam Sandler really ruined that because it's not eight crazy nights. Yeah. You get the good shit on the first night. And every yep. night after that, it sucks. It's like, yeah, you, get like, you literally have to get a dreidel or something on like night three or something. Isn't it like prescriptive? I could be wrong. Uh, you know, I don't even remember because it's been so long since I've actually celebrated eight nights of Hanukkah because right, it right. gets to a point where it's like, just give all the presents on one night. Let's not well, string this along, but we're going to do that for my daughter sure. because it's more exciting when you're a kid, but there are traditions. Like uh, I'll, I'll talk about Passover for a second. When I was a kid, I loved trying to find the Afikomen. And if you don't know what the Afikomen is during Passover, the youngest, uh, the, the kids in the household, during Passover dinner, you have to find the afikomen, which is a piece of matzah that is hidden somewhere in the house. And it's in a uh, like a cloth envelope. That's this whole religious thing. And do you know what you get when you find the afikomen, Eddie? No. What do you get? You get to eat it. Uh, uh, that's it? That's it. That's okay. the prize. That's the big things. That's that's your dessert. You get well, to eat unleavened bread for dessert. It's, <laughs> it's traditions like that that I would totally get bullied for and made fun of when I was a kid. So for the longest time, I would have this. I, I had this like resentment over being Jewish, and I'm not the most religious person. Sure. My perspective of this is I am definitely culturally Jewish. My stomach and my disposition tells me this. Genetically speaking, I know I'm a Jewish person, but um, there are it's just it became this inner internal conflict that I eventually had to come to grips with when I got married into a very right wing Christian household, uh, uh, yeah. not household family. The first yeah. Christmas I spent at my in-laws house was insane. I up until. 2010, the idea of Christmas for me was, I see a little girl. Yeah, Millie has joined it. Millie has entered the chat. Millie. Uh, she's she's ran around. She's, oh, honey bear. Okay. She's ran around. She's played. She's eaten. And now she wants some snugs. So oh, she's going to be joining us for the rest of the chat. Okay. Well, yeah. my, my what I was going to say was we're talking about traditions. Mm -hmm. Christmas, up until 10 years ago, was... Chinese food and a movie like that's seriously yeah. what Jews do on Christmas. Yeah, because that's Chinese food. Chinese restaurants stay open. open. Yep. Movie theaters are open. Yep. Oh, Jews. I used to work in a movie theater on Christmas. All right. You get it. Jews have nothing it. to do on Christmas. Oh, yeah. And that was something I really loved doing because going to the movies on Christmas and having Chinese food, it was a whole thing. Ten years ago, I got introduced to my wife's family and they yep. do two whole days of Christmas. It is fucking exhausting. 
Yeah, it, it, it can be a bit much. My, my wife and, and her family have a very specific Christmas routine. Uh, the night before, we get one gift, which is our <laughs> Sorry, holiday. Sorry, I'm laughing it's at okay. Eddie's daughter. She's she playing is, with his headphones. She is tear-assing my headphones around. Um, no, so the night before, it, it's actually, and it's really fun. I'm not, like, I, I want to be clear. I'm not saying this is, like, a burden. It's really, really charming, and I'm, like, happy to be a part of it. Um, and, yeah, and my, my wife is Catholic. I am not. Uh, we are an interfaith marriage and like, yeah, same here. So it's like, so, you know, and we made a decision prior to even getting engaged that any children we have, I'm completely fine with raising Catholic. My kids go to Catholic school. Um, oh, wow. okay. Yeah. I'm, and I'm fine with that because I had a journey through my faith and I don't really care what it is they start with. I, I, the deal I made with my wife was I will commit to raising our kids Catholic, going to communion and not just being there, but being present, being active, you know, uh, participant in all of it, you know, communions, all that stuff. Um, I said, however, if, and when the day comes and they have questions, I am not going to lie to them about who I am. I'm not going to lie to them or sugarcoat anything when like, not when they're like four, you know, it's like, it's, I don't, it's like, you're saying it doesn't exist. I don't want to be like that. You know, like I, I, when they are ready to ask some serious questions, I'm going to give them serious answers and I'm going to give them honest ones. And I, I yeah. said, as long as you're cool with that, then we're good to go. Yeah. We so, had similar conversations like yeah. that here. Yeah. So it's, so for me, it's, you know, our tradition, the tradition that I've, and this is kind of like my question to you to, to kick it off is I kick know it off. we're like almost an hour into this. <laughs> I know. No, but like, no, but like this particular point of there's traditions I've adopted. I've, I had of my own, like one tradition in my family was on Thanksgiving. We watched the Godfather. Oh, That's yeah. just, and my wife happily adopted that tradition on Thanksgiving evening after everybody's left. Once the kids are settled, her and I curl up and watch Godfather. Usually we start watching Godfather like a few days before and we keep going throughout, um, you know, through the, the entire holiday weekend. Um, and so it's like, it's good. It's, uh, it's good. And, and I, and she's happily taken that I've happily taken a lot of her family's Christmas traditions, which is, night before we get pajamas that are like goofy holiday themed pajamas. We all had um, national lampoon Christmas vacation uh, themed jammies last year. And it's, and we take a photo and it's goofy and we love it. Uh, And then the day of uh, we don't, we, we put the kids to bed with no presents under the tree. The kids go to sleep. We put, all the sons don't listen to this. I'm spoiling Christmas for you. Uh, We put all the, uh, (laughs) we put all the presents under the tree and then they wake up and Santa has come. And they leave out milk and cookies and the milk and cookies get ate and drank. And it's just, we really, we make a thing and I love doing it. And that is an example of a, a tradition I've adopted and enthusiastically participated in. My and question to you. is an example of traditions I was completely jealous of growing up as a kid. And same here, dude. My, my, yeah. We celebrate Christmas, but I didn't, my family didn't do that shit. They didn't go to that extent. You know, like they had other things they did. I get it. My yeah. mom put the, my mom was you know, Southern Baptist, you put the little bell out and stuff, but like, I don't know what that means. I don't even know either. Uh, but like, but every time an angel gets its wing, that bell rings, uh, maybe, I don't know. Southern Baptist <laughs> and Foursquare are, are a bit strange. Um, but I guess my question to you is what traditions that aren't yours, that aren't your wives that you and her have decided to create together to identify your family like you're beginning your own chain as opposed to continuing one my wife and i have a couple 
but like I'm, I'm always curious to know what other people do, especially like you with another interfaith marriage. So that's okay. Well, I mean, food wise, my daughter destroyed her diaper, by the way. Anyway, carry on. Oh, yeah. Great. Are we going to be having a diaper change right now? Oh, hell no. No, it can wait. Okay. We're, we're, we're going to, she's like, Ooh, she's am fine. I going to, all right. Yeah. So one thing I try, there's, there's, there's a tradition I at least try to live, have live on in food with me that I am hoping will be a regular yearly thing um, that we only do once a year for both Christmas and Hanukkah. And since this year it's going to be kind of iffy because Hanukkah begins on the 10th. So obviously it's going to end before Christmas starts. But my grandmother made a specific kind of matzo ball chicken soup that we don't have the recipe for. So I've been trying to figure that out and it's become my own recipe that we eat each year, including, do you know what Kugel is? I know what Kugel is, yeah. Okay, I make a Kugel each year. My grandmother used to put fucking raisins in her Kugel, which is- That the, is a legit SNL sketch. Uh, <laughs> is like, I, don't get me started on raisins. <laughs> put, oh, so fucking gross. I don't put raisins in mine, but I'm so excited to make my Kugel next week. Yeah, but, you know, you for, be. <laughs> for both of us, you know, we don't go all like all out on traditions. It's more the little details I yes. never was allowed when I like we have stockings. I yeah. didn't understand stockings. The concept of stockings. Like yeah. what you're just putting socks on. Like we don't have a fireplace. So we we tried to create our own. They're, they're on a, um, a piece of furniture in the living room. But I'm like, what? What do you what what goes in it? You put the presents under a tree. What's go? You know, growing up for me, a, I had a two foot tall wooden star of David that I got to decorate. That yeah. was our quote unquote Christmas tree that I hated. That yeah. I thought it was this dinky wooden thing, and all I was allowed to do was dress it with silver and blue tinsel, and we got to put gifts around it and that was kind of what i viewed as a consolation prize to all the cool looking christmas trees everyone else had it was only until later that i learned that my grandfather made it himself and then i felt like a shit for constantly being like this is stupid um i mean comparing a tiny star of david to these grandiose christmas trees that had the beautiful lights and ornaments on him you know it's you, you can see what i'm talking about but now i'm of the mindset of being respectful of those little things right? and bringing them into, we have a Christmas tree in my living room and it's still, I said to my wife today, I feel like I shouldn't be doing this. She was putting the lights on and wanted my help. And it was like, we've done this now for a number of years and I still feel like I'm doing it wrong. And part of that was because a certain girl I dated put it into my head that I was, but also parts of it was I grew up with it constantly being told that this is not allowed. This is against your religion. This is against, you know, the, the quote unquote law. So, I mean, a few years ago, my wife was, uh, let's see, my daughter was three months old. My wife had um, a cold. It was raining. It was Christmas time. And for yeah. the first time in my entire life, I had to go to a Christmas tree lot and buy a tree by myself. And that was, that was such a surreal 
weird experience. I felt like a Christmas spy. I really did. I felt like this Jewish guy who knew nothing about Christmas trees, who was sort of just putting on this, this, this like disguise of, I celebrate Christmas, put that tree on my car, sir. And it's weird. And so combining these traditions to this day still feels like a way, like a gateway in for me to allow myself to celebrate both holidays and make it a whole thing. Cause listen, I was going to talk a lot about this. I won't go into a lot of detail, but my in-laws are very religious. They join hands and thank Jesus, you know, before dinner. And I know a lot of people do that. I'm not one of them. And so it was very foreign to me being introduced into this culture of traditions that were so outside of my comfort zone. Now I'm comfortable with it and I'm respectful of it. But then there are other things like my cousin-in-law makes manger scenes. She recreates the manger scenes with balls of fruit. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. Every year. Okay, Every year, okay. it's like uh, she has a melon baller. It creates little melon Jesus and, you know, the three wise men and all that out of like pineapple and watermelon and cantaloupe and toothpicks hold them together. And I, I it's still weird to me, but it's a thing that she does that is sure. makes her definitely her. Um, yeah. There's the the Christmas morning routine that I. I don't do this ever and we're not doing this this year because of COVID, but we do Christmas Eve with my wife's dad. And then we do Christmas morning with my wife's uncle, which involves an Irish coffee and uh, um, this like egg sausage uh, rice dish that his wife makes called Christmas fried rice. And then it's like four hours of opening presents. And it's like every time I go, I feel like I'm visiting another country and I'm like national geographic and I'm reporting back on this uh, culture that I am going to expose to the world so I can educate you on how Americans celebrate Christmas. But yeah, you know, I'm there and it's, it's fun, but it's exhausting because there's also Christmas dinner that night this year. I got specific food I'm making. We have a tree and I have my, uh, my Kyle from South Park Hanukkah ornament on the Christmas tree. <laughs> there uh, you go. <laughs> that's why well, I just ordered more Hanukkah ornaments because we only have one. We have the menorah out. We have dreidels. We have a dreidel book that we're going to try to teach my daughter how to play. We got Hanukkah gelt, which is basically chocolate in wrapped in gold coins. There are those things that I loved growing up. The the coins, the menorah. I'm, you know, I made sure we had the blessing correctly for lighting the menorah, stuff like that. But I and my wife is the same with this. We are not going to be lording over my daughter. The strict rules of you have to celebrate this way. It's more of we have books that tell you about Hanukkah so you can learn. But also you have in-laws who don't know anything about Hanukkah that are all about Christmas. And it's okay to know both. Um at a very early age, I was told Santa wasn't real. So I grew up thinking all of my friends at school were idiots for thinking Santa was real. And I don't want to necessarily expose my daughter to the truth too early. 
Um, but even today we were playing Christmas music in the house and that's a tradition that I am open to as long as it's good Christmas music. Uh, what do you mean by good Christmas music, Aaron? Well, I'm glad you asked Eddie. Uh, <laughs> I like the, uh, the, the retro sort of vintage loungy Christmas music. Yeah, no, that, that stuff's good. Like uh Santa baby, Kind of like, sure, that, that, yeah. yeah, that that sort of thing. Um, yeah, I'm very much into tiki music, so there's stuff like that too. But yeah, um, there's not, there's still to this day, not a lot of Hanukkah music that that scratches that itch for me. Even though I was uh, listening to a few songs while I was uh, um, cleaning up before cleaning up after dinner before recording, that I was like, if only I had this when I was a kid. Because when I was a kid, it was like Yentl. And Fiddler on the Roof and like very old school Hanukkah, Hanukkah, come light the menorah, you know, and that's fine. These are classic Hanukkah songs, but like there's a, I was listening to the Hanukkah song that Stephen Colbert and Jon Stewart did, which still makes me laugh. And as much as I hate the Adam Sandler song, it really did help bring some sort of understanding and exposure to a holiday that still to this day is misunderstood, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that was a long winded answer. We're not, but, it, but it's a good, it's a good answer though. Yeah. I'm, I'm not, we're not big on traditions like, you know, wearing matching pajamas. Although I think Kelly wants to do that. Um, but they're little things. I never had a tree to put gifts under when I was a kid. Yeah. And just having that in my living room makes me feel like I've reached the mountaintop of where I wanted to be when I was 10. Yeah. I, I think like, cause you know, you can say what you want about Christmas being a, a, a Christian holiday. I, or Hanukkah and you can, and I think you can do this with any of the, that season. I think if there's value in it and why it's worth sort of participating in when you're a parent, is it, it it fosters the sense that you can receive joy by giving something to somebody. You yes. know what I mean? And like, it's, it's one thing to buy a gift for a person on a birthday or a gift for your spouse on an anniversary. It's another thing to be like, there's like six people I'm going to shop for, like with a decent sized gift and like maybe a couple others, like a super small gift or something like that. But like, there's the idea of like developing in your children, this notion of, you know, putting thought behind a gift. My mom has reverse stances since, which breaks my heart, but growing up, she, she's like, I'm never going to get you a gift card. I'm never going to give you money on, on Christmas. I'm going to think about the thing oh, I'm yeah. giving you. Right. And, 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 for, and, you know, she's aged. So it's, you know, it's, <laughs> that's transitioned out. But I, I think like that to me was impactful because like, I want to teach my kids the act of you're going to stop everything you're doing and you're going to think about not you, but that other person, you're going to think about what makes them happy you're going to recognize the constraint that you have financially and you're going to do a thing to make them or buy them a gift that is suited for them. Right. And I think there's, I think that is an exercise in empathy that is sort of understated in the season. Right. I think it's like, don't give them a gift card unless they like, unless their favorite thing is this one thing and that's literally all they want, then fine. But there's so much more value in like, 
in making a thing or in um in in buying something that's like bespoke uh even if it's a small thing right you know it's 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 funny that the first time i ever really had that thought impressed upon me was from my best friend calvin growing up um because I grew up in this scenario where my mom would go, she would bend over backwards to get me anything I wanted without thinking of the financial repercussions that that might put us in. Um, yeah. Which was great. I had all the video game systems when I was a kid. Uh, I didn't know how close to not paying rent my mom was at times, but it was Calvin who told me, you can easily go and buy a gift card. You can just you know buy this or that for a person for a gift. But where's the thought behind it? And that has stayed with me every year since he said that to me. And just yesterday, I was talking to Kelly about the fact that Hanukkah is less than a week away, which freaks me out. What we're going to get my mom. My mom needs a new external hard drive for her computer. And I'm like, do we get that? And she's like, sure, let's get that. I'm like, no, we're not going to get that. This is fucking external hard drive. Yeah, that's a utilitarian thing she needs to keep her computer running. But that... There is no thought in that. I don't think that would actually bring her joy. And it's that conversation that that little detail changes the conversation and changes the thought process. And, you know, when we were talking about traditions, one thing we have started doing each year. um, We didn't just have an earthquake, did we? Okay. I I do. I I don't know. Just where I live. A little tipsy. Okay. Yeah. Um, We're doing this thing each year now with uh, with the family. I don't know if you've heard of Elfster. It's a website where you can do white elephant gift exchanges, um, or just yeah, regular, yeah, yeah. Or just we, regular gift exchanges. We did so a part of the Buffalo tradition. We do a party after Christmas with all the the cousins of my my in laws, and it's a big white elephant. Gift this exchange. isn't technically white elephant because sure. we're not getting opening a gift and then exchanging, and you know claiming a different gift but it's it's kind of this gift exchange where we are assigned different people and they don't know it and so i have a family member that i was assigned we have a wish list of theirs we buy whatever and send it off and it's going to be a little different this year because we're not going to see any of them but that has actually become a fun little game never expected it to feel like a fun little game but that's what that's become over the years and we're doing it again this year um, mm-hmm. One thing Kelly does every year, and we just talked about it today, was she makes this um, her special Christmas cookies, which are crack. They are. <laughs> I have never in my life had a cookie like this before. Right. People who know about these cookies basically come after them like they're crack addicts. And I mean that how exactly you picture it like they're chocolate and graham crackers and walnuts and brown sugar and maple syrup and the way it's all and they're they're not shaped as cookies they're like chunks they're like brownie bites and they're amazing and i asked her if we were going to do that again this year and she's like i honestly don't know because of people's comfort level of me cooking this food baking this food with my hands in the era of COVID and giving it to them. You know what I mean? I never even thought of that, but that's a tradition that every year my landlord expects it. My best friend's husband, when I gave it to him one year, now he hoards it. Like he hides them for his own little stash. Um, 
sorry, I'm trying to think of like different traditions as we're talking, but, but yeah, it, I would love to have a place like the Buffalo place you were talking about. Or yeah. Have that experience. I well, had only been in the snow once my entire life until visiting my best friend when he went to college in Rhode Island. And I, mean, I, I was a crazy guy from California, constantly sure. dancing on the side of the street. Every time I saw <laughs> snow, I had to tell them, pull over. I want to stand in the snow. Oh, dude, the first four years of me going back to Buffalo, like I would have these random moments where I would just be like, hold on. And I walk over and pick up snow and just like hold it for a second. Be like, all right. And I'd been in snow yeah. before. Like I'd, I'd gone skiing before. And like when I was really, really, really young, uh, I lived in Lake Arrowhead. And I have vague memories of like playing in snow and stuff. But but like it's um, it, it, I had to it basically came down to, um, you know, what what is super important for me to maintain? Like, what do I need for me tradition wise? And then short of that, it's like, okay, what can we do as a family unit that will provide the best memories for all involved as like a family unit, right? Like, so for my kids, my wife, myself, what can we do year after year that makes us all happy? Um, Hmm. Am I going to sit here and say every single thing we do every single Christmas makes me immediately happy, like all the time? No, but what does is just being around my family and being in that like, and be and I have I, I can't say enough how I I hit the in law lottery. I like I lucked out so hard. I get along fantastically mm-hmm. with my with my mother and father in law, and uh and even though like our backgrounds are very different, like we always they have just loved me unconditionally from day one. I'm starting to get choked up. Um, and they've they've just you know they've ex- they immediately accepted me as like one of their own. And like I it was the perfect blend of like. It, it didn't fill any gaps because like I had, uh, you know, I have my mom, and my dad, and even though my dad's passed, it didn't fill any gaps, but it, it like it, it created and filled the void simultaneously. And, um, and so for that, it was, it was like, what can, what traditions can I participate in that just create this cocoon of warmth and good feeling um, that make it worth coming back to. Now, holidays can be stressful no matter what. There mm. are some days I'm like, oh God, please just slow this train down. Did I ever but, tell you about the time that my in-laws tried to convert me to Christianity because they wanted to did. see me in heaven? You did, which Jesus Christ, no pun exactly. intended. Uh, exactly that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, they were, and they were, they were pretty, mine were pretty cool about the fact that I wasn't Catholic. Um, it's not, talked about a ton but i also don't like lie about it you know and like i I go to services and stuff and it's fine so i never had a bar mitzvah i don't know i'm trying to relate (laughs) to you i uh i refuse we are relating i think i think you and i have more in common even though our backgrounds are are different like we've we've traveled so many similar and parallel roads it's uh it's it's just interesting it's almost as if we're in a downward spiral. Oh, Jesus Christ. I That's see what you're right. doing. We're trying to tie it back. Um, you know, so this year, this Christmas, it's yeah. going to feel sort of um, bittersweet because Kelly asked yeah. me tonight. She's like, on Christmas Eve, do you want to get Chinese food and watch a movie? And I was Aww. like, oh, like, Aww. <laughs> you get me. You, you know, get me. Yeah. I, I, and no, this is not meant as an insult to my in-laws. And I have grown accustomed to the exhaustion of the two days of Jesus. 
mm-hmm. uh, over the years. And I'm not saying two days of Jesus to be insulted. It's lit. I mean, there's pictures. Oh, I get the, it. The, I get like, it. Frame pictures on the walls and all the songs are Jesus and we're praying to Jesus. And yeah, a lot. Of, there's a lot of Jesus, there's a lot of Jesus, a lot of Jesus and, going about, you know, and I appreciate their attempt at trying to understand Hanukkah. But every year they think it's the same day as Christmas and that it only lasts one day every year. And like, that's not, uh, have you not listened to the Adam Sandler song? Like it's eight, <laughs> it's eight crazy nights eight for a them. reason, you know, and it's, it's unfortunate that we still do live in a society where people don't aren't educated or understand the holiday as well as I would assume they would, because I get expected to understand Christmas. Like I went to whole foods looking for matzah, and the employee was like, oh, you mean the Jewish bread? Oh, Jesus. And I'm oh, like, God. no, that's the Jewish bread is challah. Yeah. Matzah is Even not I knew bread. That. It does not have the ingredient in it that makes it bread. Like, but, it, you know. Yeah. It's you don't have to be a, a Jew expert to just know basic food stuffs. I've yeah. gotten used to that over the years, though. And I remember one time I worked at MTV. It was Hanukkah and Christmas happening at the exact same time. And I would talk to my boss about like, you know, it's just not as cool. Hanukkah yeah. is not as cool as Christmas. And I understand Christmas is a commercially viable, like a big holiday. You got yeah. the Hallmark movies. You got it. It's, it's huge when it comes to consumerism. And Kelly, my wife is right when she says that Hanukkah is not the big Jewish holiday, but because of the timing of it, it has become that. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So somebody else said that recently. They're like, it's like our fifth most important holiday. Like it, the high yeah. holy days. Like Rosh, Hashanah, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur. Yeah. Uh, you know, Passover, even Purim, like all these yeah. other days are more important than Hanukkah, but because of the timing of Hanukkah, that's become the biggest, most popular Jewish holiday that people know of, right. but they don't understand it. And even my boss at that time, we, he came up to my desk. He's like, I get what you mean now because the lobby of our building, huge Christmas tree, Christmas music, lights, ornaments, decorations. And then in the corner, the, in the very far corner of the lobby, a menorah. Like it yeah. was like, yeah, I, experience, I, I appreciate the representation, but it's, it's upsetting when you go to Target and you see that Christmas decorations you have are like, you have animatronic Santas and plushy Santas and plushy yeah. uh, reindeer. And for Hanukkah now, we have an animatronic Bubby. I don't know if you've seen this. I have. I they're, have. They're made from the company Mench on a Bench. Yeah, they're on Shark Tank. And a Bubby, for those of you listening who don't know, is a Jewish grandmother. And basically, this is a plushy toy where you press it or pull a string or something, and it does cliche stereotypical things a jewish grandmother Gosh. would do in a toy and now i guess there's also a moose where the antlers light up into are, a menorah are mooses jewish no but reindeer is christmas so uh so moose you get the moose I, we get the moose and i'm like is this like a committee decision did you get a vote in this no, or no okay. but, but that's that's the thing it's like the thing that I find the most offensive about this, at least they're trying, but what I find offensive is Santa Claus may have been based on a mythical character that was not even Christian. That was co-opted from like pagan Viking times sure, or something. Yeah. Um, 
I understand the reindeer concept. Frosty the snowman is not a real person. What? All these are like mythical creatures or fairy tale characters. Yeah. And then we get a weird grandma. cartoonish caricatures of the um <laughs> certain important figures in a Jewish person's familial household. Where huh. then that just kind of like, well, you're just turning my grandmother into a punchline. You know what right. I'm saying? Right. Uh, I see those. I was like, set them on fucking fire. But flip side of that is it still is in my mind progress because I remember the years where Hanukkah did not even get a display or right. recognition at Target, you right. know, or or you would go to malls and this still does happen where Hanukkah like right now Hanukkah is happening over a week before Christmas. I guarantee you if malls were open, <laughs> if <laughs> malls were open in L.A., right, there would be a menorah that would just be up fully lit and would just stay up through to the new year. Well, there's that big one at the Sherman Oaks Galleria. You know, there's like the one that they always put up there every year. Yes. You know? And they would just keep it up. And I, yeah. I feel like if you're going to represent the Jewish holiday, represent it properly, but sure. whatever, you know, it's at least it's being represented. Yeah. I, know I, I sort of I, yeah. got off topic there, but that's a big pet peeve of mine every that's, year. That's, it's been a bit, it's all oh, look, it's been an off topic kind of evening. It's our, it's our year in show. We're talking about holiday traditions. We're talking about, and, and what are traditions than just like an arrangement of things that are routine that are, you know, then that's uh, a tradition of mine every year. And yeah. this is true. I go to target and I take a picture of the Hanukkah display and I, I, yeah. I take inventory of is it bigger or smaller than the year before? <laughs> it's really sure. stupid. It's stupid, but there was a time I remember there was none. And it felt like I was living in some sort of cult that people didn't understand or weren't represented, by, you know? Yeah. Well, really quickly, because I because we'd be remiss, you and I both working in, in various branches of the entertainment industry, us both having done TV and film in various capacities. Uh quickly. Holiday movies. What's what's in the rotation at the uh, at the premier household? Well, I watch a Christmas story every year. Okay. Uh, this is going to sound cliche, but I might watch Die Hard. Um, yeah. No shame. In the fall of every year, I watch The Shining. That's not necessarily okay. a Christmas. Well, but it's wintry. It takes place during Christmas. Yeah. It's just not a Christmas movie because it takes yeah. place over a a season. Um. My wife loves love actually. Uh, so yep. Yep. That will probably go on at some point. Also white Christmas. Yeah. White Christmas. That was, I was, that's on my list as well, but yeah. Yeah. White Christmas. Um, I, I, it's been a while. I need to watch a Christmas vacation again. Christmas vacation is super solid and good. I think it's just because it's like better than European and Vegas that it's like, you're either going to watch the original vacation or you're going to watch Christmas vacation at Christmas time. I had, I had a conflicted relationship with the Christmas vacation because I just, I couldn't, when I was a kid, I didn't relate to any of it. So I didn't find a lot of it funny. Yeah. It's, 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 so yeah. So quickly, mine, definitely white Christmas. Uh, Definitely. um, uh, The frosty, the snowman, like the original, uh, a lot a lot of that um, Rankin Bass stuff is, yeah. is is in heavy rotation. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Charlie Brown is in heavy rotation. My wife and my father in law 
do a thing every holiday and I'm hoping we can still do it this holiday um, where it's a, it's a movie a night. And then my father-in-law, they have basements in Buffalo in New York. They have basements. It's crazy. And they, uh, they convert these basements into like entertainment rooms and dens and man caves as they were, or family rooms. And my father-in-law has this full bar down there. And so he'll craft like a cocktail to pair with like the movie. And so like, yeah, it's, it's, they have, and they do like little live broadcasts on Facebook. It's really, it's a fun thing for them to do. And so we'll do that every night. And then, you know, uh, uh, even though Polar Express has some horrendous animation uh, and everyone looks half dead in that movie, it's got a charm to it. The kids love it. Um, And then for me, Gremlins, I don't think it's enough love. Oh yeah. I showed Kelly um, that movie for the first time last year, and she was like, "This my, is actually not bad." My father-in-law still hasn't seen it. I like it came on TV last year. I'm like, "Oh, it's Gremlins," and like, "Nope, it's just nothing, just nothing in, in my in-laws." So we do that, and then um, I'm trying to. Th- there's definitely a, a one big one that we all. I forgot uh, about a Nightmare Before Christmas. See, I watched that. My 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 son does not like that movie. He got oh, wow. a little. He got a little scared. He got a little scared during. Okay. And a part of that. And he'd kill me if I said that publicly, but you know, I have the podcast son, not you. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and you're not going to listen to this anyway. So, um, I think, Oh, also uh, a Christmas Carol and it's a wonderful life. Yeah. Obviously the big ones, right? Like I studied Capra in, in film school, not Especially just like, since I played Scrooge so many times, I feel a kinship Jesus. to either Christmas Carol or Scrooge. Scrooge is fantastic. To Scrooge is, a, is great. Muppet Christmas Carol, I stand by. Um, those are all like movies are just a big part of holidays for me. Um, and, you know, we talked a little bit with Drew McQueenie about like my dad and like our relationship through film. So a lot of that is how I kind of connect the past to the future is that a lot of that stuff is stuff my father and I would watch. And it's now stuff that my, you know, my family, uh, my wife and I and our kids and my in-laws would, would watch. Um so yeah, I think it's I think that's I think that's fun. I, I'd love to hear audience. I'd love to hear your holiday traditions. If you I mean definitely hit us up at Dadwords Viral on Twitter and like tag us with some of your holiday traditions. We're not gonna have another episode after the rest of the year. So Yeah, I this is it. This is our final episode. Of the year. Not ever. Look, I was trying to Don't. be dramatic. I know. No. Uh, but yeah, please over the holidays, please let us know. Like maybe we can do like a, a social thing and yeah, give us, uh, give us your traditions. Give us, uh, give us the movies or TV shows you love to watch. Like Eddie was talking about what he, the Godfather on Thanksgiving for me, it was the twilight zone marathon that used to be on when I was, yes, younger. yes. They see in central <clears throat> California. When I was a kid, they did that on 4th of July weekend, they oh, okay. did the 4th of July. So like, that's what I was used to was the 4th of July twilight zone marathon. So, um, but yeah, I, I absolutely, love that shit um well dude uh do we have anything else we want to talk about i think we've traditioned out do you have any traditions on new year's day because Uh, i was thinking about this and i i learned about the eating black-eyed peas for good luck that's a southern thing yeah that's my that was definitely my grandma saying i hate black-eyed peas i'm i'm not i'm not about that fergie's the worst fergie's the worst um no i I think, um, you know, growing up in Southern California, it was often tradition to just, you know, park your truck on the parade route for the, um, for the Rose Bowl or the tournament roses parade. So for me, that was like a new year's day tradition was like after Mm -hmm. the new year's Eve stuff, just like go find a position where you didn't have to pay for bleacher tickets and do that. We, me and my friends did that a lot in high school. Um, so tournament roses parade sleeping in, 
nothing crazy. We're, yeah. we're, we're usually traveling back right around new year's. So like Got we're, it. we're, 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 yeah. we take it easy. I could give a crap about new year's. To be honest <laughs> with you, it's just not yeah. exciting. Recently so. it's been my wife and I doing a jigsaw puzzle on new year's Eve and just watching fireworks on TV. Cause the whole going out and doing it, especially now that we're parents, it's just, it's so it's exhausting. funny. It's funny you mentioned the game thing. The thing I, I do want this is not really a holiday tradition, but it's a tradition tradition now. Um, I love tabletop gaming. Um, if you follow my professional career, you'll see that like a, a non insignificant part of it has to do with tabletop gaming. Um, my wife loves true crime and murder documentaries and and all this other stuff. So I bought us a game called Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. Oh. Um, it's amazing. You basically solve Sherlock Holmes crimes. You get a map of London. You get the newspaper. Oh my you get God. a case file. You get a big map of like places you can visit and see. You get a phone book and you go and you like talk to people and you try to deduce crimes and you try to do it in as few of clues as Sherlock Holmes would right. do it. And you compare your score. It has been so much fun to like have like a routine. Like after the kids go to bed, we'll crack open a case. We'll spray it like lay it out on the bed and like just review <laughs> clues. I need to and, look like, into this. That sounds oh, great. It's so much fun. There's a really good YouTube channel called shut up and sit down. Uh, that d- they're out of the UK. They do board game reviews. I, s- I got the game after seeing the review on that. And I saw that. I'm like, I want that because it's because the- they even described it, It's probably the best two player game of all time. It's I'll like- tell you, Eddie, we do have some board games here. We have settlers of Catan. Lo- that okay, my wife Catan solid classic. But there's also another game here that has collected dust for the past nine months, which okay. is called Pandemic. Yes. About trying I know to Pandemic, stop all right. The <laughs> pandemic from spreading across the world. And it's like, my, when, when the pandemic started, my, my wife was like, Do you want to play it? I'm like, What's the point? <laughs> We're living it right now. Yeah. So, fun story. When I was producing International Tabletop Day 2016, it was like a marathon that we did on Twitch. And I was going to produce, uh, I was going to like handle Will Wheaton's uh, set, like, and his game that he was supposed to play was Pandemic, which is a classic. It's a really good board game. It's, it's, it's a great game. So he was going to do Pandemic. He shows up and he's like, hey, I want to, and it was him, Hazelip, and Markiplier, I think, and like a few others. And he was like, I want to do a different game. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. You know, Pandemic might be a little heavy. Sure. What do you got, Will? And he pulls out this game called The Grizzled. It is a World War One game where you're trying to reach Armistice Day without dying or being exposed to chemical weapons. And as an extra layer of sad, the artist was an artist who was killed in the Charlie Hebdo attacks. So oh, uh, it was just like, God. Jesus Christ. And the best part was, the best part was, it was a charity stream. And anytime somebody made a donation, it would trigger like this, like, sound and if somebody made a big donation it would trigger music and everybody was supposed to get up and dance so the gameplay flow of this was okay and i'm going to play the uh mortar shell and oh let's get up and dance and like you'd have to do that and get back okay so clearly the chemical weapons have missed and it's just it's like i don't know i don't know what to do i'm just gonna stand back and just let this happen i guess it's anyway <laughs> so, wow this conversation took a turn took i'm definitely turn. gonna look into that um Sherlock game and I want to once again ask our listeners we yes. have plural um yeah sh- uh, give us give us a lowdown of on uh, the family traditions the, the holiday traditions that you 
had when you were a kid that you have now that you're looking forward to, especially during this time that we're living in, I feel like traditions have become more important um, and more meaningful because it helps you hold on to what is what's important. I said yeah. important twice, but I feel like or relevant or, or, or close to your heart or whatever keeps you grounded and makes you grateful um, amid all the garbage chaos that yeah. we've dealt with this entire year. Um, I feel like we're wrapping it up now that yeah, I said garbage chaos. Um, yeah, sure. <laughs> you summoned the words. This is one of our longest episodes and we had no guests. So because uh, it just proves you and I are wordy motherfuckers. And we can well, that, that's what I was chats. about to say. Shout yeah. out to our very brief guest, Millie Doty. Yes. Thank you, Millie. Came over and gave Eddie a snug. She um, gave me a snug. She's a good girl. Once again, you can find me at Twitter on I'm Aaron Flux. Uh, Dadward Spiral is on Twitter and Facebook at Dadward Spiral. You can go and check out the Substack I made at DadwardSpiral.com. I did not say this at the beginning of the show, but shout out to Dragon Wagon Radio, yes. where without them, we would not we have would a not host. Um, go check out their website, DragonWagonRadio.com. If you hit the shop tab, you'll see all the merch for all the shows, including our own, which features... The artwork for this show, which was done by a guy I've mentioned multiple times, Calvin, my best friend from preschool, is a graphic designer. He's an award-winning graphic designer. He most recently did the work for FX's new show, Black Narcissus, which I oh, think is wow. premiering or already premiered. Um, and he did the logo for our show, which is on T-shirts and coffee mugs. And COVID masks, if you're interested in uh, in that, uh, please, we would love for you to purchase our merchandise and get the word out about the show. And if you really are enjoying the show and want to get the word out, we would love it if you give us a review on iTunes. Um, and it that 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 expands our visibility and gets more people's eyes and ears on our lovely hypnotizing voices. Um, Eddie, once again, where, where can people find you? What are you up to? Sure. Who are you? Uh, what am I up to? Uh, I'm, I'm working on stuff. Some of my stuff is known. Some of it's not. It's under wraps. Hopefully oh, someday. Great. Good details. I'll be able to talk it. Uh, <laughs> Twitter.com, Kirby.Matrix, Twitch.tv, ZeroDork30. Uh, I'm a hoot. What can I say? No, uh, I'm. It, if you don't follow it, me, it's fine. Please put your following energy into liking, subscribing, and commenting and rating our podcast. Break that al algorithm, baby. Um, but yeah, that's about it. Eddie's tired. I'm tired, um, man. So am I. So is the world. But thankfully, holidays are upon us. And I don't know if we even get a break. But if you do get a break, enjoy your break from the, the insanity that has been 2020. And we <laughs> will we'll see you guys or talk at you guys uh, in 2021. Until then, be excellent to each other. In the mid-1960s, the world's smartest TV producers brought together four young musicians to create a TV show that was years ahead of its time. I'm talking, of course, about the Monkees. And you, comedy, music, pop culture nerd, probably love the show, but don't realize it. That's why I, Monkey superfan Takura McCullough, sit down with a variety of guests to watch every Monkees episode and discuss their glory on the Monkees podcast. Whether you're already a fan or have never seen an episode, the Monkees podcast is for you as we discuss the Monkees phenomenon, hilarious antics, and deep fandom. So check it out at monkeyspodcast.com. That's P-A-W-D-C-A-S-T or wherever podcasts are found.
It's Dragon Wagon.